Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thank you for joining us today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball and the Coach's Edge. And I'm excited to interview Coach Anthony Troshak alongside AJ Burton as we talk a little bit about coaching through COVID and the past basketball season and kind of the, the highs and lows, the struggles, the challenges, the surprises. And then we'll we'll finish this episode up with a little little bit of the NCAA tournament and some of our uh, kind of overarching thoughts and themes. But before that, I want to let you know that this coming Saturday, we have a free presentation on player development with the Coach's Edge. So you can hit the link in the bio in the description below and you can sign up for our free presentation. It's April 17th at 10 a.m. And I'm going to be sharing with you four different types of drills that you can use with your players when you're working on your player development. So we'll get specific, we'll talk, we'll share video, uh, we'll give you the bullet points and the breakdowns of these different types of drills. And you can start to ask yourself, do I have a good, strong player development plan in place? Do I have the instruction that I know I wanna have if I'm going to help my players improve throughout the course of the year, whether that's in season or off season. So make sure that you check out our free presentation and all you have to do is join our mailing list. You can hit that link in the description below and join. So let's get to the episode. Thank you again for listening. If you find it beneficial, again, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. That goes a really long way. All right, let's get to the show. I'd like to welcome Coach Anthony Troshak, Coach A.J. Burton to the Coach's Edge podcast. And uh, Coach Troshak, we're going to pepper you with a few questions here as you have had a little bit of time to reflect on this past basketball season and everything that it's looked like. So first and foremost, what is the biggest lesson that you learned this past basketball season? You know, I learned a lot of a lot this past basketball season, and not just because of dealing with COVID, but in general, um, just reflecting every season. I try to write down, you know, the lessons from the season and what I can improve on. And it's one that I know, but this season I felt like it was magnified was to keep things simple and ne not necessarily. It's not about the schemes you run the offense you run, the drills that you have, it's the level at which you, how you execute those and the level you practice at. And with this season being a lot of game practice, game practice, game practice, at times I found myself like almost cutting a corner. And as I look back, that's one regret because this to start season, we had one non-league game and then we're instantly jumping into league. So there wasn't a lot of time to tweak and, you know, there wasn't any preseason scrimmage, there wasn't any summer basketball. So what I'm getting at is I didn't have time to really reflect like I normally do in the season. So I, if I could go back, I would do a little more simple and hold those standards um, of how we practice and how we play. And even in the beginning in a normal season, we'll do like certain drills and we're just gonna do them until they're perfect. And it doesn't matter if it takes five minutes or 25 minutes, we're going to set the standard of 
you know, excellence. And that's what we're going to do for a player development drill or a defensive drill. You can't get out of this drill until you get a certain amount of stops or you do this. And I felt like this season as a coach, I was thinking too far in advance and too much rush thinking about the next thing. And I learned that it kind of bit us on the back end until we found our stride. So that's one thing that I would change and a big thing I took away from the season. And like I said, it was magnified because it was literally game practice, game practice. Um, so I was always trying to, you know, prepare for the next game. Coach, uh, kind of switching gears, you know, talk, talk to me about, um, you know, just the coaching community, you know, I know being from the thumb area, you know, all the coaches there are pretty well connected, um, have great conversations before the game, after the game, but just with this unique type of season with COVID, like, what was the coach community like as in like, hey, this was a good idea we did with our guys in quarantine, but this idea didn't work. So kind of was there certain examples you can think of off the top of your head with other coaches in the area that, you know, gave good feedback or you gave some feedback to them to help them um, during this like awkward time of the year um, against COVID? Yeah, you know, definitely the, the fun community has um, a good you know, kind of networking of coaches, coaches, and it kind of even expanded this year through the coaches' edge. Um, but I felt that we communicated a lot before the season, and we talked about you know ideas, and we bounced off ideas of how we're going to you know prepare for this season because it's going to be different battling COVID. And then once the season started, it was just like fast. It was like frantic. You know, like I said, we're playing practice game, practice game. So there wasn't as much communication. It was more like supporting each other because we'd go through some times and especially towards the end of the season with guys getting quarantined left and right you know in, in big time situations we're coming down to districts and that's what I found most is just being able to communicate with a coach and be like yeah we lost two starters too I know where you're at um we're in the same boat you know I know what you're going through so from that aspect you know the support was was phenomenal and having a couple of friends that um I was able to communicate with and able to, you know, basically they were, you know, a shoulder to cry on or whatever you want to call it, um, get some, you know, frustration out. It was nice to have that. But as far as like X's and O's and drills and all that stuff, that was more, I felt before the season, you know, started when we did, couldn't have contact and things like that. Um, but, you know, being part of the coaches edge was huge, you know, coach Campbell and myself would communicate um, and just, you know, saying, hey, how can we get that next game in, you know, stay healthy and just supporting each other and other coaches in the area, too. Coach, two part question for you here. One, what was the biggest struggle you think this year? And two, was there anything that really surprised you that you didn't expect this season? Uh, the biggest struggle I'd, I kind of hit on it was the game practice game practice so on a normal season we play on mondays or wednesdays and fridays so mondays is like a lot of fundamentals a lot of short-sighted games you know a lot of skills and then you know we do some more on tuesday and we're game prep and then thursdays about you know half and half but this this season was a lot of you know getting into prep for the next game um so that was a challenge and especially we didn't have high numbers this year and, uh, and no excuses or anything like that, but we didn't have high numbers. So it's also tough to get in to basketball shape. And we were quarantined. We made it two practices 
and then we got quarantined for 10 days. So we ended up missing seven practices. And we did our Zoom workouts. Coach Kramer ran a phenomenal Zoom workout for us. Uh, we did our we did ball handling workouts. Then we did actual like physical workouts. And then we did some chalk talk. But that still doesn't replicate, you know, the conditioning you need to be in once start the season. So then once we started the season, it was like we're playing a game. I can't just run these guys to the ground the next day because then we have a game after that. I think we played six games in the first two weeks. Um, so games were almost our conditioner. So that was, that was definitely a challenge, how to balance game preparation, but also skills and fundamentals. Is that the thing also that surprised you the most or anything that happened where you're like, man, I didn't see as much as you try to prepare as a coach, something that you just didn't see coming? There wasn't anything like out of the ordinary that I didn't see coming in that, you know, sense. But one thing I was surprised with was towards the end of the season, we shared what we're thankful for as a team. We went around and shared. And I thought most players would give, you know, I'm thankful for my family, thankful for this. And they really kind of said, I'm thankful for the two things they said were basketball and school, which most high school you know, players are like, what, you're thankful for school? And it really stuck out to me and surprised me that all these things that these kids have been through the last year, they were just happy to be on like a Zoom. Some of these kids were like, I'm just happy I get to get out of the house, come to practice today. And when you look at the big picture of it and you look at that, you're like, oh, that's pretty, you know, pretty cool experience that they, that they shared that, you know, this basketball season helped them, you know, with structure. One, one, one player was like, it just helps me. Like I have something to look forward to each day. Um, so that was one big surprise where I think in a normal year, I, they wouldn't get the same response. And they were just, you know, they were, thankful to be going to school person in person and just thankful to be able to play basketball. Yeah. It's great to hear, you know, coach, especially from like those, those kids, you know, being thankful and grateful and appreciative of everything that, you know, you've done for these young men um, during the season and staying on topic with your, your guys, like, you know, what was their overall mindsets? Like, you know, you talked about how you had to really simplify, you know, the season when it came to practice, you felt like you were having to cut corners, but like, Talk about like their mindset, like how, like, were they extremely engaged right from the get-go, even during the quarantine time and when they were back on the floor? Um, so kind of just talk a little bit about, you know, what some of the feedback your guys have shared with you, you know, during the season of kind of, you know, being in the unknown, but also being like, you know, mentally prepared and locked in for a season. Well, that's, a, that's a great question. And I was fortunate enough to work with a good group of, um, kids this year and they were engaged they were you know all in and you know I never really felt like they were burnt out or I never felt like they became disengaged and their mindset you know credit to these kids that have been through a lot they were very resilient and they were just happy-go-lucky like I kind of said they're like we're just happy to be here we're happy to have a season we're happy to be playing basketball um, so from that you know we kind of use that as like hey there's no there's no guarantee tomorrow all right, so let's let's leave it all out on the floor um, every single game. And, you know, they, they had a great mindset. They, they wanted to, you know, succeed. And then they worked hard and I couldn't ask for more of them. But to answer that question is, no, I didn't really see like any 
disengagement or anything like that, or they were worried about what's going on. It, they were locked in and they were focused. Coach, you had, I mean, th this was the most ridiculous season that any of us have ever experienced in our lifetime, I, I would say. I would say. Um, how do you, how do you finish that season? What do you say to your group? So first, could you talk a little bit about how your season ended? Because I know you're missing some players as you get into the state playoffs. That's not a time that you want to be missing some of your players. And then two, when the season finishes, you know, what, what do you say to your group? It, it was, it was tough. And then the way it ended was, you know, made it a little more challenging too, especially with one of the players being quarantined. He was a senior and he was a player that, man, uh, he, he, he was a self-made player. He really bought into the program. He was a player that would be here at 6am in the morning, you know, shooting on the gun. He's a player that always had, you know, positive attitude. And so I really felt for him and his situation. And ultimately at the end of the season, you know, we, we try to focus on the positives and which I told them, Hey, this is going to sting. Um, but ultimately you're going to be left with some great memories. And we shared some memories in that locker room and we shared, um, you know, what we were thankful for and we shared celebrations of this season. And th those are things that they're going to remember. And those are things that's already stick out for me. Um, you know, didn't end the way we wanted to, um, but we still have some pretty, pretty cool memories to look back on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can imagine, you know, obviously I've shared, you know, on podcast prior, like, you know, I, I didn't have a season, so not being able to go through this, you know, was kind of a blessing in the skies, but also I kind of wish I had that ability to, you know, be with the guys, like how you were this past year. Um, but talk about like, you know, that having that conversation and stuff, is there from a cultural standpoint, is there things from this year that you're like, Hey, this was really good, um, even though it was on a short basis, that, that's something I can carry into next year. Or maybe some of the returning players said, Coach, I really liked what we did here. Um, maybe being like the, the thankful or you know, saying the goodbyes at the end of the year in practice. Like, is that something, or is there anything in particular you're like, that's something I want to carry into and use when it comes to our culture in the program? You know, we, we kept a lot the same as far as culture, and I didn't want to like introduce a bunch of new stuff this year with it being, you know, a shortened condensed year. But one thing we did, um, I would say it was about mid season, early, maybe a little before we said goodbye to the seniors. And I'm really thankful for that because we didn't really get to say goodbye to one of those seniors in that locker room, you know, that night. And it was really powerful. We just started practice by, you know, basically saying, Hey, tomorrow's not guaranteed. And, I want you to tell these seniors what they mean to you and they shared and it was it was you know it was a powerful moment and also you know it a, it's a great culture thing because those seniors did um work their tails off they bought into um the program and they really you know like i like i told them i said i, I have two daughters but if i had a son and it turned out like one of you guys i'd be i'd be proud as heck so that was one thing that I'll continue is hey, we're going to say goodbye to the seniors because I think it's important to let your teammates know how you feel and how much you care about them, not just at the end of the season, because everyone does it at the end of the season. Um, you know, tell them how you feel midseason. Tell them how you feel every day. Um, so that was one thing we'll do. Keep doing it.
I love that. And the, you're right. You're especially now you're not guaranteed that next game, that next practice, but really at any time, shouldn't we in life tell people we appreciate them, tell people, you know, what, what's on our mind instead of just holding back and storing up and especially when, when things are positive and what's the point of holding that in and not telling them, like if somebody makes a positive impact in your life, why shouldn't you, you tell them? I, th I think uh, a lot of us can, can learn from, from your varsity boys basketball team. Uh, that's a powerful, powerful thing. We're going to transition to talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament. Uh, but before we get to that, a quick word. Coach, before we get back to the episode, I want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge. and I want to let you know that it's powered by coachesedge.coach, the membership where we work with coaches from throughout the United States, helping them improve their team and their basketball program. If you're curious about coachesedge.coach and how we can help you in your basketball program, you can reach out to us at coachesedge1 on Twitter, contact at kramerbasketball.com. Thanks again. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about the NCAA tournament and some of your overarching thoughts on the men's and the women's game. So let's start off with the women's final four and coaches, if you want to go in a different direction and talk about, you know, an overall concept or thought of the women's NCAA tournament, feel free, go ahead. So coach Burton, I'm going to throw this over to you first, but for those that are listening, a quick review in the final four, Stanford beat South Carolina 66, 65, a one point nail biter. And on the other semifinal, Arizona beat UConn 69 to 59. And then the national title game, another one-point nail-biter. Stanford cuts down the Nets, defeating Arizona 54-53. So, Coach Burton, overall thoughts, takeaways from the women's NCAA tournament? You know, we, we touched upon this uh, previously on a podcast talking about the men's side, but, you know, it, it also goes on the women's side. For Stanford, game of inches. I mean, they were within inches of not even getting to the championship game. Um, even speaking of that, they were fortunate to even get to the final four with the game they had in their regional final being down most of the game and then turning around the end to come away. But for them to win that game in the semis and then carry over into the next game, you know, it's one last possession. Arizona gets still gets a look off, but seeing how close that shot was, it just, it just shows that this game is just a game of inches. Um, and like with Arizona, you know, the big thing I saw with them that I was impressed with is going against UConn, going against Stanford, they don't have the better team on paper. They don't have the better overall talent. But just seeing a group of young ladies like that come together um, and just grind and just be like, you know what? Yep, you're more talented than us, but we're just going to out-tough you. We're just going to out-hustle you. Every 50-50 ball, that's ours. So I just think, too, the takeaway there is seeing that, like, yeah, you might not be the most talented team on the floor, but if you're willing to grind and do all the little things and be collective as a team for 40 minutes, you're going to have positive results no matter what. So those are kind of the two like main takeaways I saw just from like the final four um, in the women's tournament. Coach Troshek, any uh, thoughts from the, the women's tournament in 2021? It was, it was a great tournament. I probably watched more uh, the women's games than I have in previous years. And as a high school coach at the level that I coach at, 
um, and maybe some of our listeners, I can take away a little more from the women's game than the, the men's game because there's some things that D1 basketball players can do that I can't ask my high school players to do. Um, so some of their concepts and some of the things they do, um, I think relate a little better to the level that I'm coaching. So I really enjoyed watching it. Plus they're, they're so fundamentally sound. Um, that's one thing that stood out um, to me is, is the fundamentals uh, of the women's game. Um, some things also that I know you mentioned and we had talked and discussed discussing like playing through the high post was very popular. I felt either a one, four high look or a horns look. Um, so that, that was interesting to see. And there was a couple teams that like started every possession um, hitting the elbow and it's tough to guard that, that spot because there's no really true help side. If you're catching, well, there is, but you're catching up the elbow. So it's closer to the midline and then, can that player, you know, attack off the dribble? Um, it really puts the defense in, in a tough situation. So I took a lot of, um, you know, scheming stuff and kind of looking at some stuff from, from the women's game. But overall, they were they were competitive games. Um, they were entertaining, and I had fun watching them. Yeah, I don't know if it was just me, but it just seemed like they were on TV more this year which is a great thing to see. And I'm hoping that continues where you don't have to be searching saying, where, where's this women's basketball game that I, that I want to see getting it more on mainstream, you know, CBS or ABC or ESPN, those different uh, stations would be something that I hope continues to uh, go up in the, in the right direction. Um, another thing that I've, I've noticed, and this isn't this year specifically, um, but, really over the past few years compared to, you know, 20 years ago, the ball handling uh, in the women's game is so much better. I mean, there are so many women's players who have some serious wiggle to their game where it's like, you, you better be in your stance, ready to move and pay attention, or you might get your ankles broken and, and get embarrassed. And it wasn't always, it wasn't always like that. Uh, but when you combine the, the spacing, the shooting, the passing, and then there's just so many players coming up that have a really insane ability to handle the basketball. It's, it's a really entertaining thing to watch. So that was really great to, great to see. Let's flip it over to the men's side. Uh, Gonzaga beat UCLA in one of the more entertaining uh, men's games we've had in a long time, 93 to 90, the just inside half court banker uh, to win it by Suggs. And then Baylor crushed Houston on the other side of the bracket, 78 to 59. It wasn't really close. Um, really, neither was the, the final as Baylor cuts down the nets, 86 to 70. And that was the only loss that Gonzaga had the entire season cut uh shut down their perfect season and those title title hopes so coach burton i'll throw it to you first any thoughts on those final four games yeah um but real, real quick before i chime into that just to go back to the women's side um i know coaches can't see this but we're on a zoom call right now and coach tro is rocking a WNBA shirt right now, which is awesome to see. And I am fully on board for women's basketball, especially WBA to go expansion. Um, there's way too much talent um, all throughout the country, not just at division one, but all across um, the world. The WNBA needs to get an expansion, add more teams, add more value. You're going to see a huge increase. We're already seeing a shift in women's basketball and viewership ratings. So 
why not WNBA? Like it's time to expand. Um, but anyways, reverting back now to the men's side. Um, you know, the three big takeaways I had um, from this is, you know, go, starting with Gonzaga, um, their spacing uh, was absolutely just incredible to see all throughout the year, but especially like when they, you really watch them and they really talk about it during halftime or at the end of games, like, you know, their spacing was a huge problem for teams on uh, defense because it was essentially a pick your poison team. But what they were able to do by that spacing is it opened up so many driving lanes for just simple drive kicks or drive dump downs to where like Jalen Suggs for, especially for as athletic as he is, he was able to get anything he wants. So you're going to see like guys from that team that are going to be able to translate into the pro level with that style of play. So that was the one big takeaway I saw there. Um, Jumping over to Baylor, you know, the toughness, the physicality, the size. Um, I'm sure everybody saw the clip of the young man Teague late in the game. It's like a 20, 25 point uh, lead at time for Baylor. Game's already over. And this dude's still flying around playing like the game is still 0-0. So like seeing that, like it's something that I want to show our young men and I hopefully, you know, not only just young men, but young women see that being like, wow, it doesn't matter what the score is. They're going to play to the very end. They're going to act like it's zero, zero throughout. So, you know, for Baylor, those are things I took away from them and Houston, you know, it was a tough matchup with them against Baylor. Um, but the way they rebound as a team, like, Oh my goodness. Like it was an absolute clinic. Um, if you got to watch them against Oregon state in the elite a game, I think they had 19 or 20 offensive rebounds. Like, you don't see that um, at any level at the most part. Very rare to see that. So seeing how they like, you know, really attack the glass from an offensive perspective is a real big takeaway that I saw that, you know, hopefully our young men can utilize. Um, and even the coaches too, that are on this coaches as platform that can show their young men and young women, like, Hey, this is how you rebound as a team. This is what gang rebounding is all about. So those would be the three big takeaways I have um, that I saw from the final four. I love it. That's that's all great stuff and applicable to every level of play. So, I, I mean, fantastic. Coach Stro, what are some of your thoughts? It was a definitely an entertaining tournament. Um, jumping on kind of what Coach Burton did, some thoughts from each team. Um, I had in my notes the Houston rebounding, and I kind of was thinking, who was it? It might have been Charles Barkley saying, well, they rebound the ball so well because they can't do anything else. That's how they're winning. And I thought to myself, well, you know, at the beginning of this season, I kind of proposed if you were to win a game in one way, what would it be? And this was definitely controlling the class. So for coaches, you know, next year, think about if we can only win a game in one or two ways, what it might be. And you can tell they put a huge emphasis on the glass and it paid off and they made a great run. Um, with UCLA, I was um, the hot topic and the, the talk for them was their mid range. I thought they brought that back into the conversation. Uh, and there's so many people that are, you know, believe in the three-pointer or get to the paint. And I thought they shot the mid-range at a high clip. I didn't watch them all year. Um, you know, I'm still a little heartbroken. Michigan State lost to them. And I, I was, you know, think they State could have had that run. So, but I thought that they kind of, they brought the mid-range back into the conversation. And then Gonzaga, I was always impressed all year with their transition. It was like lightning, man. I don't know how many times they hit Timmy, like on just a, a dead sprint or a rim running. Um, so that's something coaches could take away looking and breaking down their film. And then Baylor, I thought it was kind of, you could look at their defense, um, but I thought it was their mindset. You could tell that they were feeding into the underdog. 
you could tell even by how they talked after the game, you know, there's a comment about, you know, they were supposed to be the best team ever, meaning Gonzaga. And they played with a chip on their shoulder, played with a little nastiness. And I think that was definitely to their advantage because everyone was, you know, so high on Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Gonzaga. I'm going to keep calling it Gonzaga. I think it sounds better. Uh, but but you guys are right. It's great stuff. And <clears throat> so a couple of my thoughts on the national championship game in particular. And, you know, as you're watching the game and then you're also going on Twitter, I'm probably on Twitter a little too much at certain times, but there was this whole thing about Baylor knows where the weight room is. Baylor knows where the weight room is. Look how strong they are and blah, blah, blah. And I have a little problem with that. Okay. So short rant here. All right. Those same people that were writing those things would have said the complete opposite thing if Gonzaga would have won. They would have said, look at Gonzaga's spacing. Look at their ball movement. Look at their skill set. Baylor didn't have that. And so that's why they won. Well, Baylor wins. And yeah, they got bigger bodies and stronger players. And overall, they're more talented players. And so then some coaches on Twitter are like, well, let's just narrow it down to the fact that they're bigger, stronger. And so they must lift a lot of weights. You're telling me Gonzaga doesn't lift weights? You're telling me all the other teams in the country don't have a great strength and conditioning coach? This is Division I basketball, man. Everybody's got a great strength and conditioning coach. Is Baylor bigger, stronger, more athletic? Yeah. Well, they were probably like that when they got recruited too, right? You can tell generally when you look at somebody's hip and shoulder width, if they're going to be able to put on a lot of muscle or not. When you look at Timmy, right? And I don't know if he's a hard worker in the weight room or not, I never met the guy, right? But I can also tell you that if he lifts really hard, right? And then pick a dude from Baylor, any of them, right? And you just look at size them up and say, oh, how wide is Timmy's waist? Not very wide. How wide is Timmy's shoulders? Not very wide. Guess what? He's not gonna pack on as much muscle as somebody else, right? It's basic body type stuff. It has nothing to do with the fact that one team has a, a weight room and the other team doesn't. One team works hard in the weight room and the other team doesn't. Listen, as a coach, you got to understand you, if a team is making it to the NCAA tournament, making it to the final four or the championship, they're doing many things right. They're doing a ton of stuff right. So yeah, Baylor's, Baylor's guys are strong and talented and athletic, but can we give them more credit than that? Can we give them the fact that they shot the lights out from three? Can we give them credit for the fact that they have two perimeter, highly skilled NBA level guards that were able to control the tempo offensively and defensively? Can you give the coaching staff credit that they were able to execute their game plan at a high level? And yes, part of that was being physical defensively and controlling the glass. There are many reasons why a team is successful. So Again, that was a, a rant and I knew it was coming, but I just had to, had to get that out um, because as coaches, it's so easy for us to see one thing that a team does extremely well compared to somebody else. And we just highlight it and say, that's the reason somebody's really good. But it's never the case. If you are the best at anything, there are many, many things that you have to do well to get to that level or to be at that caliber.
So those are my thoughts. Coaches, you can you can unmute your your mic and say whatever you want as we finish out the, the podcast. But that's my two cents. I'm actually glad you said that because that was my thought process too, but you were able to elaborate and explain that 10 times better than I ever would have. So nice. Uh, I agree with you, Coach Tro, on that 110%. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Uh, Coach Burton, Coach Troshak, I appreciate uh, your, your sentiments. Coach Tro, thank you for telling us a little bit about what it was like to coach through COVID. Um, interesting side note, if you go back into the archives of the Coach's Edge podcast, you'll hear a really cool episode by Coach Tro as he shares some, some thoughts and strategies as we were heading into the pandemic in the basketball season, as far as how to work with your players virtually, how to work with your players when you do get them in the gym. And so go back and listen to, to that podcast. That would have been this fall. That's a really great listen. And then you can think about some of the, the things that he shared in this podcast as well. Um, really great, really great thoughts. So thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge. Uh, if, if you enjoy this and what we're trying to do to help out more coaches, a positive rating and review goes a really long way, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts. Obviously share it out with a, with a coaching friend if you think that they would find this beneficial as well. We hope to see you in person through the video screen on Saturday at 10 a.m. for our free presentation on player development. Hit the link in the description below. Have a great day. Get after it.